Hi, my name is Joe Jackson. I'm a journalist, author, interviewer, and broadcaster who's interviewed roughly 1,400 celebs, including, and this relates to the upcoming podcast, Paul McCartney. I also made an end-of-20th-century 52-one-hour documentary series called People Get Ready, in which I chose the music of those artists I felt should be brought forward into the 21st century. By the way, if any radio station wants it, they can have it. Two shows were interrelated. The first focused on the Beatles, specifically the artistic rivalry between John Lennon and Paul McCartney that was sparked the day they met at a garden fete in Liverpool. The second program focused on purely the work of John Lennon, who to me was the tortured artist of the two, whereas McCartney was more so a magnificent post-Tin Pan Alley songwriter with a stunning talent for melodies, but whose lyrics, I thought, rarely entered the realm of poetry in song form. I also happened to see Let It Be at the time of its release, and as I said in a previous podcast which focused on a radio spat I had with Irish DJ Dave Fanning, defending Macca, I felt, even as a teenager, that the movie was, if not all about Paul, then it seemed to set him up as the saviour of the group, the great conciliator. And, I said, it wasn't until later in life I learned that he had choreographed the film to make it seem that way and to suggest that Yoko broke up the Beatles, a lie McCartney has never set out to undo, when in fact it seems he did so. And Paul even had his first solo album ready for release to capitalise on the media appetite for anything post-Beatles following their breakup. Likewise, now in 2021, McCartney had ready his book of lyrics to capitalise on the release of Peter Jackson's movie, Get Back. As I said in the previous podcast, McCartney was described by a former girlfriend, Jane Asher, as a latter-day Medici prince, and he does seem to tend towards the kind of narcissism, and I thought this in his presence, that makes him need to bring everything back to me, me, me. Maybe he should have written the Beatles song, I, Me, Mine. So let me, Joe Jackson, throw into the arena of public debate opened up by the release of Get Back, which I haven't seen yet, but seems to be a Disney version, in every sense, of the breakup, designed to give the tale a happier ending than we all saw in Let It Be. I believe the truth sits between both movies. What follows is how I opened and closed my Get Back radio show in 1999. And by the way, if you want to hear or read more of my work, check out my website, joejacksoninterviewer.com. Flip it, says John Lennon, no words to that effect. Rolling out of the chorus of Come Go With Me, he realises he can't remember the verse. But hell, this is only a garden fate for St. Peter's Church. And upon this rock, John and his band, the Quarrymen, know they've only been allowed to stand today in hopes of hauling back to God heathens like themselves, who lost religion when they found rock and roll. Besides, hasn't John's straight-talking Aunt Mimi, his substitute mother since his own folks fecked off, taught him all he needs to know about verbal dexterity? Doesn't he even write his own stories? Joke to Mimi, don't throw out any of that stuff. You'll be sorry when I'm famous. So of course he can wing it through this dumb, 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 dummy song. Certain none of these dummies will notice. But one dummy does. At 15, a year younger than John, Paul McCartney, who's also intrigued by the fact that Lennon is playing banjo chords on his guitar. And Paul ought to know, he's been practicing night and day for nearly a year, ever since his mum died. McCartney even writes his own songs, praying rock and roll will lead to everything he wants out of life. Women, money, 
close. So no, Paul doesn't slag John off later when they meet for the first time. He shows John's band how to tune their guitars, then floors the boozy Lennon even more so by ripping through a word and chord perfect version of Bebopalula. Another song John blustered through earlier. McCartney even tops that with 20 Flight Rock and Long Tall Sally, complete with a killer little Richard squeal. No wonder John's left thinking, he's as good as me. I've been the kingpin. If I let him join, what'll happen? I'll have to keep him in line. So what can I tell you that's new about the Beatles? All born in Liverpool around 1940, meet as kids, form band, play locally then in Hamburg and at the Cavern, where Brian Epstein comes along, sees him, fancies the arse off the rough-looking Lennon in particular, and finally procures, sorry, secures the recording contract that leads three, John, Paul and George, all the way from the 1958 session in Paul's living room to Please Please Me in 62. But that we all know, right? And that's why tonight I started the show by focusing more on the tensions that define the relationship between John and Paul from the start, and fired some of their finest music. Though some do say John, not Paul, was the true soul of the Beatles, we'll see. Lennon's absence from the recent highly sanitised anthology TV series certainly left a big fat hole in its soul, made me feel he was screaming from his grave, give me some truth. So let's try to answer that cry. Please Please Me, John's song, and he did start composing to try catch up with McCartney. Even so, the song itself is little more than the cover versions that made the Beatles little more than a cover band to begin with. A title from a Crosby hit, the compositional style of Roy Orbison, and harmonies ripped off from the Everly's original, not. But look closely at even such a contrivance and you'll see John wave hello. It seems his mum, Julia, killed in a car accident when Lennon was 17, used to sing that Crosby song to him as a child. And Freudian analysts take note, Please Please Me did start out as a slow, seedy plea for sex. Not only that, adding another layer of irony to John singing when he was 17, that'll be the day when I die, and his claim that Elvis the rocker died or was castrated when he joined the army, it seems Lennon felt something similar happened to him when he bought into the jelly baby version of the Beatles that the rocker died. In fact, John even turned Please Please Me into a pop ditty after George Martin said the original was dreary. Lennon stripping away all music and linguistic excesses in 68, subtly referring to Heartbreak Hotel and for the first time making his guitar sound like the vocal style of his new soulmate Yoko. And singing a song he said he wrote in India with the Maharishi while looking for God and feeling suicidal. Either way, this sure was John singing the blues that had been burning inside since the days of Please Please Me, if not all his life and preparing the world for his primal therapy album in every sense. Certainly, by the time of Abbey Road, as George Martin once told me, John was fighting with everyone and fighting heroin addiction. So who finally broke up the Beatles? George Martin says they simply grew up, got wives, found lovers, grew apart. Sadly, John and Paul not only grew apart, but went to war, battling over who should manage the group, contracts, royalties, largely money, in fact. You see, despite claims to the contrary, all the Beatles, including John, always were, to call a phrase from the 60s, breadheads, closet capitalists. Indeed, the bickering became so bad during the Beatles' final recording sessions that it wasn't so much bread that caused a riot, it was a biscuit. Paul apparently threw a fit when Yoko took one of his digestive biscuits, and John had said, took a swing at Linda. Love is all you need, guys. Indeed, years later, John, making no reference to the problems caused by his addiction to drugs, did say the Beatles started to break up when Brian died and Paul assumed the role of leader leading us around in circles. See what I mean about those tensions between John and Paul? Even Abbey Road is divided up like the old singles, one side ending with Lennon's I Want You, the other with Paul's medley. But seeing as though John as the true soul of the Beatles dominated tonight's show, let's leave the last word with Paul. 
At this point, he obviously knew it was all over for the once Fab Four, and knew that no matter what either he, John, George, or Ringo did for the rest of their lives, they'd always be remembered as Beatles. Always had to carry that weight. But what's also poignant about this medley is that Paul, as with the song Let It Be, seems to take guidance from his dead mother, Mary. Meaning, she did come back to him in a sense, to sing once more, to tell him there really was no way for the Beatles to get back to those days of garden fates and innocence. This really was the end. Hi, Joe Jackson here again. Not Peter Jackson. I thank you for listening to this edition of the Joe Jackson Interviews podcast. And don't forget, if you want to access more of my work, check out joejacksoninterviewer.com.